The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Darren Priest. He's the president and owner of Validity Screening Solutions. He's a former FBI analyst. He also headed up a division of Clarence M. Kelly and Associates. And then in 2004, he acquired the background division of that company, which then became his current company, Validity Screen Solutions. Welcome to the show today, Darren. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you. Good morning, Darren. Small business owners get so wrapped up in what they're doing every day that the last thing they probably think about are screening issues. But it can get them in a lot of trouble when they have employees who uh, do something on the job that the owner or the company can be liable for. So talk to us about some of the things that Validity Screening Solutions does that our small business listening audience could take advantage of or should know about. Well, there are a lot of things they should at least know about. I mean, mm-hmm. every business is different in the core of what they do, uh, whether it be product-based, service-based, it really doesn't matter. But what Validity Screening Solutions does is we help identify information that employers need to know before they make a hire. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe unfortunately in our business there's a, there's a little bit of a myth that we're simply trying to identify criminal records. Well, that's not necessarily the case. What we're trying to do is make sure that the employers that we represent have the right individual for the right job. Um, everyone is employable to a degree, but mm-hmm. not everybody's employable in, the, in a particular position. So True. that's what we do. You know, we'll provide the trucking company a background check for an individual that might have multiple DUIs. Not necessarily a good fit. We might provide a law firm uh, a background check with a DUI for someone that's been applied to be a receptionist. Perhaps a good fit. Doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily matter in that particular situation. You know, ours is not in the judgment, if you will, arena. Ours is in the information arena. Right. So we go find the information that employers need to know to mitigate their risk is really the bottom line. Mitigate the employer's risk, mitigate the public's risk. A lot of companies have uh, access to the general public, you and I, every single day, whether we be uh, accessed individually or by our data. Both is just as critical. So employers anymore just need to know who they're hiring before they hire. Mm-hmm. What are some of the th- what are some of the gotchas? I, I know that depending on the industry, whether an individual and their background screening comes back, you know that matches particular to industries. But in general, what are some of the things that your company can turn up in screening that could be gotchas for small businesses that they might not think about? Well, the number one thing is criminal records. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a small business can be affected much more dramatically by a bad hire, so to speak, than a large business, say Sprint can. Sprint can afford, you know, a bad hire and not having some good information perhaps, but a small business, especially my size, one bad hire, you know, an individual to run my accounting department with an embezzlement conviction may cost me my entire business. Right. It's a blip on Sprint's radar, as an example, just because of mm-hmm. their size and scope. So for small business, I think it's even more imperative to screen and to make sure you're getting the right fit. You know, it's, it's a tolerance level. No different than perhaps investing. What is your risk tolerance level? And for a lot of small business, it's pretty low because it has to be low. 
Exactly. Now, some small businesses, again, like I said, they're nose to the grindstone. I don't have time for that. Right. The, the chance of me getting somebody who's going to embezzle from me or somebody who has a criminal record for some sort of an assault and then somebody, you know, they, they assault somebody in my office or a customer, probably really low. But... <laughs> They might think they don't have the time or the money for that kind of an investment, but what are the repercussions? What are the liabilities if you do hire somebody like that and and then what they didn't think would happen happens? I mean, does the company have liability for not doing the screening? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately, courts across the country have ruled against small businesses and small business owners for not enacting due diligence and hiring somebody. You know, there are horror stories. You can't open up the, the newspaper or look on a news website anymore without seeing some kind of employment employee horror story out there, Mm -hmm. and there are thousands of them. Um, You know, anything from a sex offender being hired for a daycare facility to Mm -hmm. somebody with multiple violent offenses being hired as a service technician that's going to come to your house to repair something. You know, that one specifically is huge. Um, But the bottom line is people need to keep in mind that some people just frankly target small business because they assume that they're not going to check me out. I never thought about that. I know big business is going to check me out. The banks are going to check me out. The the large companies of the world are going to check me out. Small business that is too busy and is too harried all the time, focusing on making that business Mm -hmm. run. Bob, come on, you seem great jump in here and he's the wrong hire. And those things can really be catastrophic for those businesses. You know, um, on the upside, perhaps that individual just steals from your company or causes something internally. But on the downside, it could be a public issue. Mm -hmm. And now what I always say to especially local employers is, don't fail the Kansas City Star test. Ah. Don't be on the front page. Mm-hmm. You know, Be tucked back in an ad somewhere where you're promoting your company, but don't <laughs> be on the front page. Local company hires X, and then something happens that uh, the next day that company is no longer in business because of it. Exactly. And the, the whole uh, embezzlement angle – you probably know them too. I know so many business just businesses just in Kansas City alone that you would never think have been uh, victims of embezzlement, but it happens all the time to companies I would have never thought it would happen to. For every headline that you read in the business journal, they they mm-hmm. put out there there are, you know every Friday you'll see that, and there's almost invariably a company that has been has been embezzled from or some kind of fraud, mm-hmm. financially speaking. For every one of those stories, there are hundreds that never go reported. Part of that is because sometimes the business owner doesn't bother reporting it. I don't want the publicity. I'll just, quote, take care of it internally and try to work through the process. Um, sometimes it's unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes the embezzlement is unknown, in, you know, for several years later, right. and the, the perpetrator is long gone. Right. You know, he or she quit years ago, and just now, through maybe a tax audit, the owner is figuring it out. But sometimes mm-hmm. this can be hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of small business, $20,000 may put you out of business. Absolutely. It's a cash flow situation. Right. And if you have just enough stolen from you that is going to make you not be able to make payroll mm-hmm. or pay for a particular license certification or your insurance, you're out of business. Yeah. So often in those stories, too, you hear somebody going, oh, that was a longtime employee, maybe somebody that even was one of my first hires. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you know, how do you how do you deal with that? I mean, the testing that you do, is it on the front end uh, or do you come in and will you do tests of existing employees? It's a a great question. Generally, we're always on the front end before the hire, Uh but a lot of companies will do kind of what I'll refer to as rechecks. Uh They'll either do them annually or sometimes they'll do them before a promotion. For instance, Mm -hmm. in your example, it happens very frequently. Uh, Particular individuals work for a company in one capacity and all of a sudden we're going to promote her to be the new payroll manager. Before that particular promotion, 
let's go ahead and do a recheck mm-hmm. um, and make sure everything is still you know, copacetic in the background. And what I hear a lot from business owners is that's intrusive. Um, I don't want to offend anybody by that. Well, what's more offensive? Gathering all your employees together on a particular Friday and saying, we're out of business, people, because I have no money anymore Mm -hmm. because this trusted employee stole from us, or saying, Jane, I need to do a background check before we promote you to payroll manager. Put it this way, in my opinion, the people that have no problem being background checked have no problem signing a form to have it done. Absolutely. It's the people that don't want you to know something that are going to say, no, you're offending me or you're, you're, you're very off-putting the way to this. You don't trust mm-hmm. me. That's what right. I hear a lot. Right. You know, I, I take a lot of these uh, conversations from people that I come across that say, well, you, you know, you're in the business. You're not very trustworthy of people. Well, it's not my job to be trustworthy. It's my job to find the information out. I don't necessarily care what an applicant tells me or tells my client. I care what we find that the factual information is. In some instances, I guess it's maybe kind of like being a reporter. We're just looking for information so we can report it on to the particular entity. The only difference being there are a lot of federal laws and state laws that really constrain what employers can know. And those are really designed to protect the applicants, believe it or mm-hmm. not. Just not a lot of applicants know about them. Right. And that's a good point that you bring up because I think in addition to being busy and, and not taking the time to do these screenings or thinking that they're going to be too expensive and so I'm not going to invest that into that part of the hiring process, uh, I think there's just a lot of confusion about the rules that are out there. You hear all the time about uh, the the individual's rights. And so if I do this, am I uh, going to be perhaps overstepping and and being in violation of some regulation? On the other hand, as you said, if you don't conduct some of these tests, you could be liable too. So I think that there's just a lot of confusion about what's allowed, what's not allowed, what questions can I ask. Ask, but that's why it's good to, uh, and I, I'm not doing this to, you know, plug Darren's company. But it's good to hire a company like Darren's companies to try to do it on your own, because you know the regular, you know how far you can go. Right. It is really important to be informed, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, human resources, which is generally the entity within a company, or sometimes it's just the business owner, and that's sometimes even worse as far as time constraints go. But HR is inundated with the governmental alphabet soup. You know, yeah. ADA, ACA, HIPAA, you name it. Now you start throwing in background check alphabet soup in top, yeah. on top of that, and it really gets overwhelming. You know, last summer I spoke to six state HR conferences. Invariably, at every single one of them, when I mentioned certain laws, either federal laws or laws particular to that state, glassy stares come from half the audience. And it's, these are professionals right. who do nothing but HR for mm-hmm. a living, but they can't keep up with all these things. Sure. It's just impossible. You know, yeah. it's just like no... No accountant can keep up with everything. They need a good team to have different state laws as far as our taxes go. It's no different with HR. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they think they have everything figured out, kind of like we're looking at right now with Ban the Box, here comes something completely different to add to their plate. And there's a lot of uh, misconceptions out there. There are flat out some myths out there. Mm -hmm. But the information that swirls around about background checks can get very muddied, um, sometimes from the media, sometimes from people that think they've been wrong doing it. Um, But, you know, there is one particular source, and it's always the law. And you go back to what the law is, and as long as companies are working within that particular law, they're going to be okay. It's getting them to be understanding that it even exists sometimes is the The awareness, exactly. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about one of these law, well, what might soon be law, ban the box that Darren just described, and we'll have him 
dive into that with a fuller explanation of what you should be looking for. We'll be right back. Get ready for an evening exploding with energy as we celebrate Kansas City's entrepreneurial community at the 14th Annual 25 Under 25 Awards Dinner and Gala, Saturday, February 28th at the Downtown Marriott. Join host Thinking Bigger Business Media and sponsor UMB for cocktails, dinner, and entertainment as we recognize the achievements of 25 outstanding Kansas City area small businesses with under 25 employees. Reserve your tickets now at 25under25.com. That's 25under25.com. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. My guest today is Darren Dupriest, and he's the owner of Validity Screening Solutions. We've been talking in the first half of the show about why it's important for small business owners in particular who are so vulnerable to um, sometimes unscrupulous job candidates to take um, the time and make the monetary investment to have their new hires or their prospects screened. However, there is a movement afoot called Ban the Box. Darren alluded to it a little bit earlier in the show. And it actually, um, well, I'm going to let you explain it, Darren. Ban the Box, what is it? Ban the Box. Um, it's, it's a clever little name. I'm not sure who came up with it. But basically what it's saying is most people are familiar with it on a job application. Somewhere there is going to be the question that is something the effect of have ever been convicted of a criminal offense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very common. The, the phraseology depends a little bit. But then there's that little box next to it, yes or no. Right. That's ban the box. What the movement is, and it really started about 10 years ago, but it's only really been catching steam in the last two and a half years. Um, the movement is to eliminate or at least to move that question. And I, what I believe the spirit of it is, is to prevent employers from taking two job applications. One person checks, yes, I've been convicted. Another person says no, and the yes gets shredded. Right. I think that's the general spirit behind the whole thing. Because there's, there's an fairness of employment kind of movement behind all this to make sure then individuals with criminal convictions have a fair opportunity to be employed. It prevents recidivism. Absolutely. It's, it's good for the economy. However, with that being said, there's an alternate side of the fence that says we need to make sure that we can ask the question in certain circumstances. So mm-hmm. as with anything else, there's two very clear arguments to the line. But the fact of the matter is this. There are now 13 states that have banned the box initiatives. And what those are, they vary uh, altogether. So I'd love to say here is the rule. But every state's just a little bit different. But the spirit behind that is the states have come out and said you can't put the box on the application. And what they're also recommending is that you move the background check to a later part in the process. Hmm. Now, what a lot of people are fearful of of this is, does ban the box mean I can no longer do my criminal background checks? Absolutely not. In every single state that there is a new state law passed on this, employers can still do criminal background checks or any other kind of background check. But the state laws are asking them to move it further down. They don't want, I believe, the pre-screen of, yes, I've been convicted, to put somebody automatically out of a uh, job mm-hmm. consideration, which mm-hmm. does have some merit to it. Right. Now, the problem is, with so many other things, some broad strokes have been taken to this, and there have been some employers who are going to be backed into a corner a little bit 
if some of the legislation continues the way it is and perhaps not be able to screen their potential employees the way they need to be. Mm -hmm. Some of these laws are being written very well. Some of them are a little loose. Um, So it can get very, very tricky. Now, I mentioned 13 states have it and District of Columbia as well, but there are also 96 municipalities and counties that have their own versions. Okay. Here's where the trouble begins. Mm -hmm. If you're in a city within a county, within a state that bans it, that might be easy to understand. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what happens. Um, If you're recruiting somebody from California that has a particular ban-the-box issue, does the ban-the-box rule in California apply to you in Overland Park, Kansas? Right. California's does. Mm -hmm. Some states don't. They're very, very complicated. Some laws are specifically written, if you're recruiting a citizen of, fill-in-the-blank state, our law applies. So an employer might not know that. Right. How many times do we have uh, the need to search California or Minnesota or New York state law? when it's hard enough to keep track of your own state law yes. you know, here in Kansas, yeah. Missouri. And in Kansas, Missouri, we have a complicated issue here because we have two sides of the state line. Yes. Most HR professionals and business owners need to know two sets of state laws, mm-hmm. regardless of what, what state you're actually located in. So some of these ban-the-box states are really complicating things with saying that our jurisdiction applies to your out-of-state recruiting efforts. And that's where I think some companies are going to get themselves into some trouble. Not on purpose. Right. They're just going to do it unknowingly. So. Absolutely, just through so ignorance. Yeah. It would be one thing to just keep up with 13 different state laws. It's another thing now that you're dealing with, there are 110 different entities right now that have a variation of the ban-the-box law. Interestingly enough, right here in our backyard, Springfield, Missouri had one. It was on the books for less than 30 days before it was repealed because business owners literally kind of revolted a little bit about it and said, Mm -hmm. that's not good for us. Go back to the table and figure it out. Kansas City, Missouri and Unified Government both have ban-the-box initiatives on the books right now. But a lot of employers don't even know it exists. It's right. not exactly front page news. Sure. It's not very sexy information. It's not very, uh, you know, news at 10 kind of thing. So employers have a hard time, you know, sometimes figuring it out. Even employment labor law attorneys can't keep up with all these things because, as I mentioned, 110 different laws uh, to be aware of. So mm-hmm. the initiative in its spirit is probably a good one. But it is complicated by so many different entities jumping into the mix instead of perhaps just letting the states do it. Now there happens to be an initiative right now that uh, certain not-for-profits are pushing the federal government to get involved and initiate a federal law. That's what I was wondering. You think there will ever be any standardization through a federal law? You know, I, I don't know. I think right now there's some some momentum behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a little bit difficult right now with the current congressional makeup, but uh, you know that is yet to be decided. But there are still two years mm-hmm. you know, to work on that. And there is right now a call for an executive order to skip all that and move it straight through to rubber stamping a new law. But Mm -hmm. I think even the problem there is it's going to come back to now some states want their own sovereignty. You know, Illinois, for instance, just had their new law go into effect on January 1st. I'm guessing they like it right now. I don't know that the employers of the state of Illinois necessarily like it, but I think the legislature of Illinois likes it and may not want to be dictated how uh, to manage their own companies. Mm -hmm. Uh, New Jersey has one that goes into effect uh, the beginning of next month. Um, so there is this perpetual initiative. I don't know right now, you know, we have lobbyists in D.C. that are keeping an ear to the ground for our industry on this. don't really know which way it's going right now, but I think right now what these different not-for-profit groups are doing is they're trying to get the word out and sure. trying to educate not only employers but applicants as well. Because mm-hmm. one thing that kind of gets uh, glossed over in my industry is good companies like mine out there have the applicant at heart as well. 
True. We yeah. want to make sure that the right applicant is screened with the right information. And there are hundreds of very, very good employment screening companies out there that are fully transparent in their processes, their practices to make sure that the John Doe with the murder conviction is the right John Doe and not just any John Doe and preventing that person from getting a job mm-hmm. somewhere. Now, as in any other business, there are some companies that don't really care about that. Right. And they're just moving data and cash and checks. But the, the good companies and what we do are really making a concerted effort to make sure that applicants' rights are protected just as much as employer rights. You know, you and I as individuals want credit. We may someday mm-hmm. want a job from somewhere. We want to buy a home. We want to buy a car. All these things come into background checking. You know, and before that car dealer is going to sell us that car, they're going to run our credit report. Mm-hmm. That's a form of a background yes, check. Yes, it is. If bad information is tied up in your credit report, you may not get the car loan that you want. Or you may pay a higher rate because somebody else's information is muddled in there. So mm-hmm. my industry is, is spending a lot of time right now making sure that applicants are protected just as much as employers. And Ban the Box is a really good initiative to do both. Right. In spite of the confusion that it can create and, and the challenges it can create when you're trying to hire or, or uh, bring people in across jurisdictions, uh, that, you know, the, a different state, as you mentioned before, as an example, uh, there are some really, there's a real upside to this. Uh, and that is not everybody who has a criminal background uh, should be banned from employment. Right. I mean, it shouldn't necessarily be held against them for a lifetime. Because, In fact, you mentioned recidivism. Uh, in fact, helping someone get on their feet could keep them from further criminal activities, perhaps, and falling Absolutely. back into uh, what they would consider a lifestyle that's their only choice that's left. So, Right, right. Yeah. And I think part of that is you have individuals that are released from prison or released from probation or parole or whatnot that are looking for a new job. And, of course, the vast majority of them want to become a contributing part of society again. Mm-hmm. It's the little sliver out there that don't. Right. Frankly, you know, as in anything else, the small population causes the problems for the big population. And you've got that group out there that I, I referenced earlier that are targeting employers or are targeting um, certain situations. Um, you know, there are, just quite frankly, there are individuals out there that are professional criminals. Those are the individuals that are kind of the targets of screening, if you will, right. not the individual that's trying to get back on his or her feet. Yeah. It's the individual that is the serial embezzler that is looking for another, you know, unwitting small company to yeah. give me your checkbook. I'll run it for you. And then three days later, they're in Aruba um, with all of your hard-earned <laughs> money. Um, or if we want to get a little bit more dramatic, you know, you have you have predators toward children. Absolutely. They're looking to be school volunteers or looking mm-hmm. to be crossing guards or looking to be daycare providers or looking to be service technicians going to the home where that stay-at-home mom is with young children. Right. There are just targets out there. And what employers need to do all across the country is insure themselves. And and frankly, a background check is just a mini insurance policy. Mm -hmm. It's making sure that this employee is going to be able to do the right things for me and is I'm not putting myself or the general public or my employees sometimes in harm's way by bringing them on board. Yeah, with what sounds like a growing momentum favoring ban the box, and as you said, it could even become an executive order uh, at some point in the near future. How do small businesses, again, uh, occupied by so many things, make sure that they're compliant? How, how do they find out what's happening in their area on these types of things? It, it can be very tricky. Um, mm-hmm. the, first of all, it's always a great idea to have a good relationship with an attorney. And if you're a small employer, it helps sometimes have a good relationship with an employment labor law attorney. There are a lot of general practitioner attorneys out there that are fantastic at what they do, but this is such a small 
very focused and concentrated area of the law that not everybody is well versed in it. It would be like a you know a general practice attorney trying to work with your taxes, right. real estate law, right. different specialties. So that helps. There are also a lot of free publications out there that very reputable law firms publish. Some are free, some are subscription based. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Littler report that comes out. Uh, it will put you to sleep sometimes, <laughs> um, but it's very helpful that it, it keeps you abreast of new laws all over the country that come into play. What's that called again? It's the Littler report. Littler, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, I've uh, actually it's, seen that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a very uh, well-known law firm, very mm-hmm. reputable. And what they do is they help small, medium, and even large business. They represent Fortune 500 companies as well. Mm -hmm. But they put this out there as simply a mechanism to get this kind of information to you and me. Right. You know, small business owners that don't have – I don't have an attorney on retainer necessarily. I know who to call, but a lot of business owners don't. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of fact of – I just put in another 16-hour day. What didn't I do today? And sometimes that answer is you didn't get an HR briefing on new laws that are taking effect that might affect you down the road. Exactly. Darren, even a wealth of information today. Uh, if you someone wanted to find out more about what you do, uh, the things on your website, where would they go do that? Well, they can go to validityscreening.com. It has a wealth of information. As a matter of fact, there's a resources page that will point to people to free resources, federal, state, and local as well. And we also like to think of ourselves as educators. Yes. Um, I field calls all the time from HR professionals, business owners saying, I heard about this. Can you tell me more about it? So call us and we'll be more than happy to educate you. If it's not something within our wheelhouse, we'll point you in the right direction. Validityscreening.com. Go there and check out all the resources that uh, they have to offer to you as well as resources that will just educate you about all of that we've talked about today and more. Thanks so much. Thank you. Pleasure having you on the show. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Twitter at ithinkbigger or on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.